bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Living Word with Pastor Mansa Otobi. And now, today's word. I'm going to do a two-part message beginning from this week and next week. And I have titled it, Sharing the Gospel. Sharing the Gospel. As you know, between now and Easter, we are embarking on an evangelistic and soul-winning drive. And it's important that all of us see the importance of sharing the gospel and all of us become partners in the sharing of the gospel. Each one of us must be a partner with Christ in this endeavor. So I begin with what has been called the Great Commission in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. And he said to them, I suppose you are there. Can I read? All right. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples after he had resurrected and had been with them for a while and he's just about to ascend to heaven and he leave these final instructions to his disciples and by extension to us as to what we should be doing uh, in the interim between his first coming and his second coming because Jesus is coming again and that's what the scriptures promise us he's coming again in between the time he left and the time he returns he says this is what we should do and there are two main uh, commands there that I just want to draw your attention to first is go into all the world go into all the world I want you to take note of the two words go and the word world go into all the world the word go is a word of movement you cannot hear go and stay it's a command it's a verb it's an active word and and so jesus told his disciples go move so going implies that we're going to move from one place to the other go into all the world go into every part that is inhabited on this planet and that's what jesus wants us to do he wants us to go into all the world go into everybody's world go into every country go into every ethnic group go into every space and the second thing he told us to do is preach the gospel preach the gospel so we don't go into all the world to advertise ourselves. We go into all the world to preach the gospel. The word preach simply means to make an announcement or make a proclamation, to proclaim something. It is very similar to what happens in our villages. I wonder whether it still happens. But in most villages, uh, there is uh, the town crier. 
and the town crier when the chief has a message will take the gong gong and go to the town square and hit the gong gong and announce and, and the, the Greek word that is interpreted as preach is the same as one who heralds is very similar to a town crier who goes to make an announcement so Jesus is saying go into all the world and announce something what are we supposed to announce we're supposed to announce the gospel the good news so each one of us is called by God to partake in going to the world and preaching the gospel every one of us this is not just for pastors it's for every one of us in the days of Jesus and uh, you, you know that the days of Jesus were the days of the Roman Empire this idea of announcing good news was associated with uh, with uh, war because uh, when they went to war you remember those days there was no Facebook and there was no uh, internet and there was no CNN and there was no GBC as well and and so if you had to get a message somebody has to physically run from the battlefront to the city to make an announcement and the person who does that they, they would say that he's, uh, he's, he's announcing good news or he's speaking the gospel. So the term was in existence before Jesus used it. And it meant somebody who brings good news from afar. He comes to tell us the battle has been won. We are victorious. And the whole city rejoices. And that person is said to have brought good news. But Jesus said we should do the same thing. But the good news we announce is the good news of his kingdom. He also wants us to announce the world. The battle is over, as Kwame Nkrumah said. And there is freedom from sin and freedom from Satan. So when we go out, we are the ones who are announcing what God has already achieved for his people. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 tells us, what the gospel contains. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Remember it says the gospel of Christ. Not the gospel of men's table. Not even the gospel of our church. It's the gospel of Christ. For I am not ashamed of, of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. So what does the passage say? The passage is telling us that the gospel is the power of God to save. So anytime we preach the gospel, God's power to save is on demonstration. Anytime we announce the gospel, God's power to save is on demonstration. And what is God saving us from? Two things I would want to focus on. First, he saves us from the power or the control of Satan. So when we announce the gospel, we are telling people, God has freed us from the power of Satan. That is why the preaching of the gospel cannot be about how powerful Satan is. The preaching of the gospel must be about how powerful God is to deliver us from Satan. 
You cannot talk about the power of witches and wizards and call that the gospel because that is bad news. The power of the gospel says God has delivered you just like the old time person in ancient Rome will run from the battlefront and say we've won. Anytime we preach the gospel we are saying God won. Jesus won. The power of Satan is broken. We went to the war front. We saw what happened and we've come to announce to you we've won the battle. The gospel is a victorious message. It's not a defeatist message. It is a message that tells us Satan has been defeated. God won. Not only that, the gospel also tells us that God has freed us or saved us from the power of sin. The power of sin. Sin has no dominion over us. Adam's sin, which condemned the whole world to judgment, has been overcome. The gospel is the power of God to free us, to save us from Satan's control and from the power of sin. So, anytime you and I go somewhere to say, we're going to preach to somebody, or we're going to tell somebody about Christ, or we're going to witness to the, to, to the gospel, or we're going to go on soul winning, we have to be sure that the message we carry is not a message of defeat. We have to be sure that the message we carry does not exalt the devil, but it exalts Christ. Because that is the good news. Just taking a microphone and preaching does not mean you are preaching the gospel. You know, sometimes people think the gospel is criticizing human behavior. So, Many times, you know, by the roadside, you find very enthusiastic, well-meaning, sincere people preaching. And all they are talking about, the skirts of the girls and what they are doing and uh, what they shouldn't be doing and what people are doing wrong. And sometimes we even go to the extent of criticizing how people behave at home, at work, and all of that. And it's good to talk about societal Eels, but that is not exactly the gospel. The gospel is not criticizing people's skirts. The gospel is announcing that there was a battle. And in that battle, it was between Jesus and the forces of darkness. And we have come from the battlefront to announce to you that Jesus won the battle. And because of that, Satan has no power and his control over you is broken. That, that is what we announce. Even if you don't like the person or somebody's wearing a skirt you don't like and you feel very compelled to criticize the skirt, you have to leave that criticism for another time. But when you are preaching the gospel, it is to announce the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ because that is what he charged us to talk about. All right. So, who preaches the gospel and who must hear the gospel? Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 15. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 to 15. And it says, 
For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You remember that it says the gospel is the power of God to save. And now it's telling us whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then the writer starts a series of questions from verse 14. What then, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom, him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. That is quoting from Isaiah uh, 52 verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. That's the gospel. God reigns. God is the ruler. Satan is defeated. But there are questions there uh, that we have to answer. And that question is divided into two. And I'll first talk about um, the first person or the first group of people that the passage is talking about is what I'll call the proclaimer of good news. The proclaimer of good news. Who qualifies to proclaim the good news? Who is supposed to go out and tell the gospel? Who is supposed to go and make Christ known? And what puts us in the place to do that? The proclaimer of the good news is first and foremost a person who is saved and sent by Christ. He is experienced salvation and he's going to tell people about what he's experienced. He saw something and he must go and tell people what he saw. That is what it means to witness. When you're witnessing to something, you've, you've had an experience of it, you have encountered it, you've seen it, and now you are testifying that you saw it, that you heard it. So, for us to preach the gospel, we should have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you haven't encountered him, you cannot go and witness that you know him. You know, because there, there are times that people talk about people as if they know them. And then when they meet the people, you realize they don't know them. I will never forget when uh, somebody who had been talking to somebody, he said, oh, I know him. Oh, I know, I know him. I know him. We grew up together, you know, bragging. You know, normally when people say that, then they're going to say something bad. Oh, he thinks he's somebody now. We knew him when he was a small boy. All right, that's some time ago. So, finally, I said, I, I, said, I don't really know this person. I, I can't figure out. I don't know the name. I can't recollect the name. So, I said, okay, let's go see this person who knows me so well, better than myself. So, we met. And incidentally, we met the person at the airport. And, uh, and so, the one who's been telling me, this guy says, he knows me, says, well, this is him. So, I look at him, he looks at me. <laughs> so, I said, so, where do we know each other? 
Then he starts a whole story totally unreal. Where? Did I go to school with you? No. Did we live in the same area? No. Are you my brother by, by some experience I don't know? No. Where do you know me? Nowhere. That is called a false witness. So it's like somebody who says, Jesus saves. Jesus is the savior. Has he saved you? Have you met Jesus? Have you experienced him? What you are talking about, has he done it for you? Because if you don't have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot go telling people about him. So the proclaimer of the gospel, in order not to be a false witness, must be somebody who has experienced what he's talking about. I have been saved. My sins have been forgiven. Christ has touched my life. He has changed my life. And based on that, he has sent me to come and tell you something about him. You need to experience him first. And there are people talking about Christ who have not experienced him. They are like that guy who said he knows me and has no clue. Probably knows me on TV. And when you encounter them, they fumble. But when you really know Christ, you may not know everything about him. And next week I'm going to talk about different ways of witnessing about Christ. But you remember a blind man who was healed by Jesus Christ. And people said, well, Jesus is this way and that way. He says, hey, me, I don't know. All I know is once I was blind, now I can see. So take it or leave it. That is as far as my witness can go. I can't talk about leg. I can't talk about ear. I can't talk about doctrine, but I can talk about what he has done for me. A proclaimer of the gospel must have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is based on the fact that he has saved you, that he sends us. And the proclaimer of the gospel must go to where people are. The pastor says to those who go uh, whom God sends that their feet are beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? How beautiful are they? What does it mean? Does it mean they are wearing good shoes? No. It means they are walk, they, their walk is well. It, it's like, you know, you are very thirsty in a wilderness. Dying of thirst. And somebody comes and says, I have water. In our language, you say, he has walked well. His feet are beautiful. His feet are beautiful because he has come with beautiful news. So the Bible says, those who carry the good, good news, their feet are beautiful. It doesn't mean they are wearing nice shoes. It simply means their message is so needed that for those who need it, it is a relief to them. They've come well. They have come at the right time. They have given a message in a timely way. And the message is a good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And those who preach the good news, uh, if you would note the passage, says they go on mountains. They go wherever. They, they do whatever it takes to get to where the people are. And those whom God sends, they proclaim 
the good news. They announce God's peace and God's salvation. God's peace. They don't announce God's quarrel, but God's peace. Peace with God. Even if we have to talk about the sins of people, we must talk about it and end by telling them Jesus has died for all of those sins. And if you believe in him, your sins have to be forgiven. You can't condemn people by preaching the gospel. You must always show them to what Jesus Christ has done. That their sins can be forgiven because Jesus has died for them. And every time we preach the gospel, that is the message we are preaching. Announcing peace. Proclaiming news of happiness. Our God reigns. Those who have been in the church for a while, you know, you, we used to sing that song. It was our signature tune at this, in this church. So that is for the proclaimer of the gospel. What about the one who receives the gospel or the one who needs the good news? Now imagine a thirsty man, as I said earlier, who is dying of thirst. You are coming to bring him good news. And you tell him, hey, oh, I'm so sorry for you. I just passed by a well when I was coming. And the well was full of water. That's not good news to him. You're telling him about something somewhere. Because for him, the thirsty man, the good news is not just news about the existence of water. But what he wants you to say is, when I passed by the well, I fetched some of the water to bring to you. That is good news to him. So not just talking about the well, but that you carry the well. You carry some of the water of the well. Or that you can take him to where the well is to find the water. So anytime we are proclaiming good news to the person, to somebody, the person expects us to lead them to what their soul is hungry for and what their soul is thirsty for. It is the great Augustine of Hippo, normally called Saint Anthony, who said, God has made us for himself. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. What did he mean by that? God has created a hole inside each one that only he can fill. And when we proclaim the gospel, we are filling that deep hole in people. Some people try to fill it with alcohol. Some people try to fill it with sex. Some people try to fill it with food and partying. And, and sometimes even profanity. Some people try to fill it with education. But that hole is a God hole. And that God hole can only be filled by God. And when we proclaim the good news, we have to know the person may be educated, they may, they may have all the money in the world, but there is a hole inside them that only Jesus Christ can fill. And if you know Jesus, you have something they don't have. They may have all the riches of this world, but that emptiness in them is a God hole. And only God can fill it. And that's why we have the confidence to share the gospel. With people who are richer than us, more educated than us, people who naturally are better than us, 
But we have something they don't have. We have the living water. They are thirsty people dying in the wilderness. But thanks be to God for the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the person, that person, what must happen to him? He must hear the good news. He hears the good news. Everybody wants to hear good news. Not bad news. Not condemnation. Good news. But not only must they hear the good news, they must believe the good news. The people who hear it but never believe it. When you believe it, it means you accept it as the final truth. So you cannot believe, for example, that Jesus Christ is the Savior and still believe that there are other ways to God. If you believe Jesus is the Savior, you still believe there are other ways to God, then you haven't believed. You have an intellectual appreciation of Jesus, but with the heart you have not believed. Because once you believe, it settles all questions. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by him. He's the only way to the Father. That's what believing is. That's what believing is. So somebody say, yeah, I like, I like religion. <laughs> I like religion. Me too, I, I pray small, small. I do this a little, that a little. You know, there are many ways to go to God. No, that's not true. That is human understanding. There's only one way to God. And he's Jesus. That, so for a person to believe, they have to come to that firm assurance that Jesus is the only savior. That is when you say he has believed. And if you are in this church and you, you have that double opinion, you haven't believed yet. You are a nice church member. But you are not yet in Christ. Alright. So he believes the good news. And then what does he do next? He calls on the Lord. That is pray. Praise to God and say God. I thank you. That Jesus has died for me. And now I receive him into my heart. And when the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. They shall be saved. Now when it says whoever calls on the name of the Lord. It's not just someone who says Jesus. Then he's saved. No. If you, you have to read that in context. The context says that the person must hear the gospel preached. And if you read earlier. It says he must believe in his heart. That Jesus is Lord. Confess with his mouth. And then he becomes saved. You don't just become saved because you say, Jesus! So when he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, it doesn't just mean mentioning his name. It means mentioning his name based on the fact that you have heard the gospel, you believe the gospel, you believe he's the only way, and you call on him as the only way to save you. Then you will be saved. And whoever does that will be saved. And that's how we share the gospel. It's simple, straightforward. You must experience salvation. Then you must tell people about what you have witnessed. And you must share what Christ has done for them on the cross of Calvary. And next week, I'm going to talk about different ways of sharing the gospel.
because in the, in the Bible you find people share the gospel in different ways. Because some people are going to say, Pastor, I don't even know Bible verses. I don't know quotations. So what if I go and they ask me quotations? What should I do? Once I was blind. Now I see. This question about are Catholics right? What about Anglicans? What about Muslims? I don't know that. But what I know, Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. He saved me and he can save you too. I am not intellectual enough to answer all your questions, but I've had an encounter with Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And that is the only thing I can share with you today. Are you, are you hearing me? So don't be intimidated about, oh, what if, what if I go and they floor me with questions? No, you are sharing your encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I cannot end tonight, this morning, without giving anybody here who has not had an encounter with Jesus Christ the chance to have an encounter, to believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus died for them, God raised him from the dead, and, those, and to call upon the Lord and to be saved. So if you are here this morning, you say, Pastor, this is the first time I've heard the gospel explained this way. I don't really think I have believed. I don't really think I have come to that point of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, as the only Savior of the world. And listen, you can be in church for a long time and not get to that point. Sometimes you hear the message preached for a long time before one day it really settles in your heart. Then you make a decision. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to give people who want to make that decision the chance to make the decision. So if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I want to open my heart to Christ. I, I believe Jesus died for me and I want to call upon him and I want him to save me from sin and from the control of Satan. I want to live my life for him. If you want to be saved, you want to be born again, you want to become a child of God, you want to be assured of heaven, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your right hand wherever you are. Lift up your right hand. Lift up your right hand. Don't feel shy. Just lift up your right hand. If you have your right hand up, I'm going to ask you to just stand wherever you are. Just stand wherever you are. If you lifted up your right hand, stand wherever you are. God bless you. God bless you. Now, those of you who are standing, put your hand upon your heart. You may say, Pastor, why do I have to put my hand upon my heart? It's just to mean that we're going to pray and I want you to mean everything from your heart. I want those, these words to be sincere from your heart. Put your hand upon your heart and the whole church is going to pray with you this prayer. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I ask you, Father, save me. Deliver me from sin, from the power of Satan. I believe today that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the only Savior. He is the only way. And today, I confess him as my Lord. I declare with my mouth that Jesus Christ is my Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and live inside of me. Make me a child of God. 
wash away my sins. Deliver me from the power of darkness into the kingdom of God. I thank you for accepting me in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer, you called upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.